This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. But Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Good morning, morning. Coach Hogg here in uh, the locker room right now, and uh, we're going to have a little session on uh, athletics for a little bit here. We're in the Mellon Law Studio with 50 years of experience. Mellon Law is the only official law firm partner of Florida Gators. Mellon Law won't back down. We're protected by crime prevention 24-7, 365. Contact them at cpss.net. And of course, check out our mugshots brought to you by Maurice T. McDaniel. So um, good morning, everybody. I see some early people to class. That's always nice, you know, that people come to class and, uh, get there on time and have their notebook out and are ready to go. Because, you know, I'm always giving quizzes and uh, uh, the like. I just got to report a few things from Coach Hall's locker room here that are kind of interesting. Of course, Ole Miss, I don't know how much of a bore ball fan you are. Bore ball, you know, I played baseball and I still call baseball bore ball because uh, it's not nearly as fast as, say, softball. And darn sure isn't as fast as as ice hockey. My golly, those guys were in perpetual motion. Uh, but the lightning lost to the avalanche. And I was pulling, of course, for our, our in-state team. It's so incongruous for uh, the state of Florida to be so warm and yet to have ice somewhere uh, frozen enough to have an ice hockey team. Generally, it's been associated with Canada for a while and up north, but we've got one really good one here last couple of years it has won the uh, Stanley Cup but this year uh, couldn't quite get it done so that's okay it was very exciting I found myself watching that activity for the first time and realized in my advancing years how well conditioned those guys are they're in constant motion they're bashing each other uh, they're flicking that puck around and uh, they never give their legs a rest that's what really interested me most of all good morning Jack so um uh, the other thing that is uh, kind of interesting that happened is Ole Miss uh, won the College World Baseball Series, and nobody ever thought they had a snowball's chance. Um, they were I almost didn't get into the World Series, but um, once there, you know, I found myself really watching those guys and back engaged once again with ball. and I was particularly interested with the pitching. I thought their pitching was very good. Uh, the guys had a lot of stuff on the ball. They had a lot of speed. Uh, the team didn't make any errors to significantly damage them if they made any at all. They could hit the long ball, and they beat Oklahoma. Uh, you know, our local softball coach once played baseball for Oklahoma. Uh, so I think he was a pitcher. So Oklahoma's got a pretty strong tradition uh, of um, baseball. But by golly, Ole Miss um, beat them. and. Um, you got to take your hat off to them. I know uh, Lane Kiffin was uh, uh, texting several times how proud he was of that Ole Miss baseball team. 
So um, it did rejuvenate my interest in uh, what was going on um, uh, with baseball. The big story, and we've been covering, um, the, you know, we've been covering name image likeness. If you haven't caught up with what name image likeness is yet, NIL, uh, you will very soon uh, come to hear it over and over. Now, I don't know that it will make any difference to the fans in the stands, as long as there's violence and there's a competitive game, I don't think they'll care whether the players were paid, not paid, or anything like that. But they are now paid. Essentially, a college football team, and I'm just going to focus on football, since that's what we're going to be talking about here, um, is farm club for the pros. And there's not really, this whole thing about student hyphen athlete is a, is, is a um, hoax. Um, that no longer now that we have name, image, likeness is uh, the enticement of a college education paid for by your scholarship. Um, that's out the window. Um, that's not how they're going to go get you. That's not how they're going to find you. And by the way, right now, there are camps going on and all across the country, football camps where these coaches are going down and inviting kids as young as 13, 14 years old. I know 14 to come to these camps and to already start watching them and identifying them and measuring them, uh, weight, height, speed, just as if they were going to an NFL combine. And then these kids go into a data bank. And uh, we've got a really great lecture from uh, Coach Saban to these group of youngins. And someday maybe we'll play. Maybe we can round that up and play it for you next to Coach Hogg's locker room. It's pretty interesting. Coach Saban lays it on the line, tells them exactly what's going on and, you know, once again, what they need to do to be uh, in his uh, uh, in his attention anyway. What what so what he's looking for. And of course. Corrupting all this from one point of view, and this is basically the point of view I'm hearing is is corrupted college athletics uh, and then the others who sort of are. Fatalists just say, oh, well, that's the way it is now. we got to play the game. But the problem is you're not going to be able to play the game on even-handed. And the reason I'm going to talk to you just a moment about this Manning kid, this, uh, this kid is not even the son of one of the football players. He is the, uh, he's the, the, the uh, uh, son of, a, of one of who isn't a football player. And by the way, I got a pretty good – let me just find it here for you. On pretty good uh, uh, testimony here, I got basically what the Mannings are worth. Let me look this up if I can. Um, the Mannings, let me see here. I should have had this, of course. Um, are worth, uh, well, hundreds of millions of dollars. Okay hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, 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 the Archie is probably worth, this is, I'm, I'm, I don't know, I don't have privy, but I'm getting this from some of the sports writers. Archie's probably, Archie Manning is probably worth 200 million. Peyton is probably worth 600 million. And uh, uh, the other one whose son this is, Cooper, uh, has a hedge fund that he started and manages is probably worth more than the others. So you ask yourself, why does 
a family with that much money need to be aware of or concerned with or at least uh, available for the type of money that colleges are willing to spend to get somebody with nothing more right now than the Manning name and perhaps some early rating as a high school player. Because he's not he's still going to be in high school for another year. Now, I can't prove anything I'm going to say. And I'm just going to say it's just totally undocumented. But it's come from some people who are inside the, the, the jock world, if you will. Um, that And I don't know if we'll ever get proof of this. There's all kinds of ways to make this a wash or to diffuse it or distract, I guess. But I have heard, now I'm just going to put it out there for you, that he was, uh, the Manning kid was paid $8 million to come to Texas. Now, on the one hand, I'm like you. I say, what? Come on. That's just a rumor. There's nothing to that. Can't be so. And on the other hand, come on. I mean, that's what we're dealing with. We're dealing with whoever's got the biggest checkbook. And I've also heard, and this is just so totally undocumented, that, of course, we're not going to be able to compete with that. Uh, the most we'll ever pay maybe is a million and a half, two million for a quarterback. And that's still, to me, out, outrageous, outrageous amount of money. Um, and these are the numbers that are being knocked around by the sports guys that are kind of inside the, the circle. Uh, we do have a, a person who runs the collective whose job it is to gather up the donations to put in the bank to spend on just these types of things. So I don't know that you should take any of this as uh, what I normally say, you can take this to the bank. This Well, it is literally somebody's taking it to the bank, but these numbers are just floating around out there. I have no document to substantiate it, but I do have word from a lot of people, like pretty good sources that are around this world pretty continuously and suggest that this could be um, the case. At any rate, uh, the public position that one sports commentator told me that the Mannings have taken is that, oh, no, they don't need anything like that. They would never, so to speak, sell the youngin uh, to a team for money. But, you know, let's be let's be candid. What's the likelihood of that being the case? Um, what's the likelihood of it just being a pure old decision to go to Texas rather than Alabama, where he did make a visit, along with one of the other big schools. He didn't come here. Um, uh, so the visit that I know of. So we're in another world. And, you know, this is just talking about the quarterback. Now, the quarterback to the team, of course, is an important person. He is really, hopefully, the smartest person on the team. Uh, because he has to carry in his head a lot of stuff and he has to be able to make quick decisions and then act upon those decisions. So anytime you see a talented physical quarterback who doesn't do well, it's probably because his talent was far more developed than was his thinking ability. And therefore, Manzel, Manzel, this Manzel kid comes to mind who was a very nifty runner, but never made it into pros at all, and was kind of a loose wire, a loose cannon. So, you know, it, it, it takes the total package to really be able to run the team and make the decisions and move 
against all the defenses that they instantly put up against whatever you set up. So that probably is the smartest guy on the team. The center is right in there with him. The center is really kind of like the pitcher and the catcher and uh, on the baseball team. And, and, and you know, that you've got that kind of element. And then, of course, the lineman will never draw the money uh, that the quarterback will draw. The wideouts will, uh, will draw some of that Hollywood marquee money. Uh, so there you go. I mean, and where does it stop? Now, in baseball, it's off the charts. I mean, it is so nuts. The salaries that these guys get, I, 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 I'm not in, you know, pro baseball doesn't interest interest me much. I, I, I just think it's it's been corrupted. Um, it's it, it plays to empty stadiums, empty uh, places, and yet it has all this money to pay these players. And it's um, I tried watching a little bit of the Dodgers last night. Um, people are attracted to the uh, every time there's a situation where the pitcher hits the batter and then he, uh, they have a free for all. The benches unload. People are attracted to that. Um, that in the, uh, the the famous uh, collision of the home plate uh, that um, uh, occurs now and then. Those are the two big draws. Um, the home run is kind of okay, but it's it's not a lasting thing like a bench clearing brawl or a home run collision. So um, you know you know you have some pretty stout guys back there at catcher. Normally, I think of some Yogi, of course, and Johnny Bench. Smokey Burgess, some guys like this. So, so um, that was always something you prepared for. They've kind of modified the way that can happen now, kind of scaled it back. But um, that's what really is out of wax. I, I look for football to follow up. It, it has. It's followed it. And then you have to ask yourself if the other sports are going to be able to uh, get any kind of drink from the water fountain, if you will, when the big dogs are drinking first and sucking up all the revenue and the money. Um, so anyway, that's strictly uh, something I, I, I share with you because it's it's probably if somewhere is the truth in between those numbers, or maybe those numbers are the truth. Um, but it, it is, it, you want to see more of it. Name, image, and likeness, NIL. Um, you also, I'm going to cover a little bit with you a couple more stories. And one is the Capernick Never seems to go away, of course. Uh, I don't know what makes the guy think that he has any value, as the car salespeople go say. But, you know, the Raiders have always been uh, a renegade team. They come from a blue-collar, a violent type of town, Oakland, which is across from San Francisco. Uh, you know, their team under Madden was known. And, you know, that, that Tatum at, at free safety got away with some the things that you cannot possibly get away with today. Uh, they had uh, Matusak, and they had, uh, they had they had some really good players. They had a great coach who could handle them there for a while, and that was Madden. But they've had this reputation all along. And Warren Sapp, who is, uh, I think, his last uh, place that he played was Oakland. I know he's an ex-Raider. He has said, for, and Breitbart has picked up on this, that he, uh, the secret about the Raider camp were, Kaepernick last tried out. Uh, Kaepernick's, uh, and I'm no fan of the guy by a long shot, because, um, you know, here he is. He is, the quarterback should be the leader of the team, the, the person the others depend on. But this guy is a whack job. So you don't want a whack job 
uh, underneath center. I mean, it just is not, or even in the um, back in the shot. You just don't want it. I mean, a guy's going to be, you know, it's like, it, let me just tell you, let me give you an analogy with cattle. I have a cow right now who will not go in the pens. All right. Now, all the other cows go in the pens. We take them in there to uh, get the flies off them, run them through the chute. Uh, all of them are compliant, even the big bull who weighs about 2,400 pounds. He, he's, he doesn't mind being in the pens. Until this cow, which I just had introduced to the herd about two months ago, along with a baby uh, or calf, would not go in the pens and stood outside the pens. And in effect was teaching the ones inside the pens to be wary. And so let me tell you what we're going to do with her as soon as her uh, calf is weaned from her. She is history. Okay. She is being cut from the herd, cut from the team. She is a bad influence. Get rid of her. Now, she's a pretty cow. She's got good lines, this, that, one, another. But when she leads the others the wrong direction, you get rid of her. This is the thing with this caper name. You do not let that guy anywhere around your people. So SAP has come out and said, furthermore, that late in May, they started trying to pre present this guy Kaepernick from obvious political and racial reasons as uh, giving a, having a workout opportunity. And this time it's with the Las Vegas Raiders, of course. Uh, they've moved how these teams do. And, 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 and uh, so they've really kind of covered up, Sapp says, how lousy Kaepernick really was. And uh, Sapp says it's suspicious that there's no video of the workout. Uh, there's, uh, uh, there's, and he, of course, thinks his anti-Americanism has made him a hero, but not on the field. You don't want him running your team. And if you recall, this guy would not stand up for the flag. He said that the NFL uh, was kind of like a plantation. Has he checked the salaries lately of these uh, plantation people that these he claims these people own and, and the liberty these guys got where they can go from team to team uh, and seem going to be worse than the NIL. Let me, let me just point out one thing. I've checked this out to you. Let's assume that the Manning kid did get paid to go to Texas. I think it's a pretty safe assumption. Now let's just assume, just for a conservative discussion, it's a million bucks. He goes there, okay? And let's assume that he's got the million bucks in his uncle's or his father's hedge fund, uh, socked away, being invested, so God knows what it'll turn out to be. And all of a sudden, Texas sucks. Even with him, they got either a lousy coach or whatever happens, what is to keep him from being bought by another team, entering the transfer portal and, 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 and going to a, another team? Nothing, 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 absolutely nothing. Let me just look at this. In the notes here is a guy who has done this already. Let me see if I can find that. Quinn Ewers. He went to Ohio State, took the money, and left and got more money at Texas. 
So there's nothing to keep these guys from, from doing this. So Kaepernick now, he's been turned down. You know, you originally remember he turned down an offer to San Francisco in 2017 because he wanted more money. He's turned down several opportunities, according to Breitbart, since then. And he's kind of made a circus out of the NFL's workout. Um, I don't think those guys want him around. I, I, I can tell you about the coach. I would not want that guy anywhere near my players exactly the same way I do not want uh, this cow on this property as soon as her her uh, calf is weaned. Okay, she is gone. Now, there's one last thing about Coach Hogg's locker room I think is interesting. Uh, have you ever heard um, Ohio State say the Ohio State? And they put the emphasis on the. Well, guess what they have ended up doing? And this has been traced by uh, the, uh, uh, <laughs> it's really kind of wild. Jason Gay, for the Wall Street Journalist, I've looked at it on some other outlets. But I, I, I'm going to tell you right now, you won't believe this, but Ohio State has trademarked uh, the word the. Okay, the, okay, all right, there you go. It is now the Ohio State. So uh, there you are. So can you say the University of Michigan? Well, that's a good question. Uh, Ohio State has successfully trademarked the word the, applying to the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. Now the trademark, applies the use of the single word on apparel like sweatshirts, baseball caps, and t-shirts you can buy with just the word the on it. So, you know, you know, this whole marketing thing and a brand and all that, I know you got to have, it. we've got the Warthog uh, out there as a brand with some filing cabinets and snap. Uh, it's, these brands become a quick snapshot of what you stand for or what your kind of uh, uh, mission statement might be or how you organize your presentation. Uh, now, the most successful trademark that occurred in my lifetime was the Nike swoosh. And, as, you know, you have to understand it's not a check mark. It has got it. If you look at it carefully, it's got a few little kind of adaptations to the check mark that make it special and unique to Nike. That Nike swoosh has become incredibly successful. Now, I don't see how copywriting V, which is an article or a determiner or an adjective, there are three different ways to describe the, uh, the V, is going to become uh, a single word marketing success the way the Nike swoosh is. But nobody else can now have a T-shirt, I guess, with the on it. Now, these copyright cops are so, I don't know if you know this, but they roam the University of Florida parking lots before game. And if they see somebody out there, you don't know who they are. They look like regular people. If they see somebody out there with a T-shirt on, that is a 
counterfeit copy of, say, the Gator or anything that they have marketed and branded as special to the University of Florida Athletic Department, they'll get that shirt off of you or they'll come and deal with you. Because I have a friend who made shirts, T-shirts, and he, he wanted and had a special depiction of the Gator and tried like crazy to get accepted as a legitimate part of the University of Florida trademark department, if you will. And they turned him down. And meanwhile, he had made some shirts like this and some people wore them while they were tailgating and they were accosted by the trademark cops. So this whole branding thing is now by Ohio State trademarked a three letter article, word, adjective, the, and it's a, clear that they don't own the word the because you have the Wall Street Journal, you have the University of Florida, you have all you have the Godfather, you have all these things as this article points out. But it's a uh, it's it's just a branding technique with a giant the printed on it. Uh, and they'll be able to get, believe it or not, ungodly amounts of money for this. Uh, predict, one prediction is $140 at some fussy boutique store uh, near Ohio State, and they can, I guess, use whatever font they want for the fee. I don't know if the V has a particular font, but it may well have one. And it is the attempt to distinguish Ohio State among all the other uh, Big Ten schools, of course. So uh, I guess, you know, we welcome to the world of madness here. I mean, it's just, it is, it's crazy, but I wanted to cover that story within Coach Hall's locker room because <laughs> it is, um, it's there. I mean, it's, it's the real deal. So uh, the trademark, the, now, if you go out, let's try your wisdom here. If you go out and put a V on a t-shirt and try selling it, uh, I guess you'd get away with it around here. But you won't get away with anywhere near where they're branding cops for Ohio State because uh, you're not giving the money to Ohio State. And, you know, there's going to need to be some way, somehow, to, uh, the need to raise a bunch of money for these collectives in order to buy these players. Uh, you know, we've got a guy who watches this show who was bought by Gene Autry. And Gene Autry was nobody else who could buy this guy. And as I understand the story, the other uh, owners decided we ain't gonna let individual owners buy players because we can't compete with Gene Autry's pocketbook, okay? This is back when the Angels went out to California. Okay, so as I understand it, then they invented a way by which there'd be more parity among who got a shot at these guys. Uh, right now, we're back to the Wild West days with football the way it was back then when an owner with a deep pocket like Autry uh, could buy a player, just literally stroke a bigger check and, and, uh, and you know, take the guys basically off the market. Now, it's really kind of like what it is when you take your cattle to market. I've got a bull right now who's probably, he's, he's a registered, Herford Bull, weighs 24, 2,500 pounds, youngin. He's not very old. And if I take him to the market, 
he's going to bring a tremendous amount of money. And I'm going to go with him if I take him. And if he doesn't bring the money, I'm going to bring him back. So obviously, when you take your cattle to market, you you are selling it to the highest bidder. And that person's buying that animal because that person thinks that animal, in this case, this bull, will throw some very, very good calves, which he does do, as long as the females are big enough. They can't be much they can't be much smaller than he because he breaks them down in the haunches. So, you know, I think Capermix got the wrong uh, metaphor for the NFL. The NFL is not a plantation with slaves. It's a meat market that you go and auction and try to buy cattle. And that's basically now somewhat assuaged by the draft. And you see them. And they, you know, have a formula and they, they, they get it, you know, depends on who then gets the first pick. But the college world seems to me back to the days of the cattle market when we'll just pay and stroke a check if we think that animal is capable of producing. And it comes down to that. Simple as that. And the player or the animal is an animal. I mean, it's just a thing that we need to produce revenue from, period. That's all it's about, just producing revenue from that animal because you'll get calves, it'll bring more money. So, you know, you follow the analogy. So I think we are now in the cattle business in uh, college football. Let's take a break on the bottom of the hour here for uh, our sponsors and we'll be right back. This is Ward Scott. And I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Ward Scott Files gold sponsors are Maurice T. McDaniel, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, R&R Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.awardscottfiles.com, and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page, or call my friend, Freddie, at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Wardscott Files. And remember, if you like the show, Thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All bees poop. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help!
Welcome back to Ward Scott Files. Now, Professor Warthog here now in the Manly Warthog Command Center inside the Mellon Law Studio, which has, of course, the only official law firm partner, the Gators, and they won't back down, and we're protected by our good friends at Crime Prevention, cpss.net. So, you know, I titled today's show The Schmear Job, and I got to laugh. You know, I was I, I taught critical thinking and this is a classroom right now. I'm teaching again. You're my students. And uh, you're uh, hopefully learning something. You come to the class because it's interesting to you. And, you you know, I don't necessarily give you what you want to hear, but you're at the same time uh, able to go off and think your way through it and decide what you want to do with your life in relationship to what I have to say. What I have to tell you that we've got, we have got a, a, a litmus test right now. It's just the easiest test in the world to determine. You know, we have all these determination tests that we take. Uh, do we have COVID? Or uh, do we have this? Or do we have that? We take a test. And uh, is the guy diabetic? Is he not? That's a sugar data. We take a test. But we have got a test right now. We have got a brain dead test. Uh, I think my good friends, uh, my overproduction plate, if your brains were lard, they couldn't grease a frying pan. Well, that's pretty darn good because we have got a, a, a room full of lard, right? It's not even lard in reactions to this Roe versus Wade. I have never seen condensed in one place so many people reveal their poor educations. And sadly enough, they never took Professor Warthog's critical thinking class or they wouldn't be running their yak like that. It, sadly enough, it'd be one thing if these people were putting a plug in your electric car or charger or something, but these are people who are making your public policy that you're paying. And it, City commissioners, 40 grand. County commissioners, 85 grand. And these people are appalling. You know, I just want to go through a couple of things um, that appeared in the Gainesville sunset. And I counted up, you know, they had a they had an article Sunday, Saturday, Saturday, I guess it was. Um, local leaders react to loss of abortion rights, okay? Wow. Thank you for having this article because you get an x-ray of the inside of the skull of these people and there's nothing there. It's the most empty-headed stuff collected in one article that I've heard in a long time. And I went through before the show started today and counted up how many empty, now let's see, there's 11 people quoted, as I counted. Eight of them would have failed Professor Warthog's critical thinking class. And I will go through and give you the logical fallacy. Because that's one of the things you teach is logical fallacies. The first one is, of course, 
the boy named Lauren, how low can you go? Bowtie Poe, he said the reversal of Roe versus Wade, quote, and if these quotes are accurate in the Gainesville Sunset, quote, will create a public health crisis in America. Now, in logical fallacies, that's called a non sequitur. It does not follow. It doesn't follow that a public health crisis, and also it's an, it, it, usually there's more than one fallacy. Here is a definition of terms. The terms are not defined. You're, you're to fill that in with your own fevered mind. What is the definition of a public health crisis? And let me see if I can understand this. Let's assume that COVID was a public health crisis. It probably comes as close to anything as we've had lately. At one time, AIDS was a public health crisis. So if I understand Poe, the reversal, just the reversal, and all that does is say there's no right in the Constitution, so you states go do what you want to do. It, it, it is oversimplification. It's a non sequitur. It lacks a definition of terms. And yet this guy said it I, in total. And this dead gum guy was a teacher at Santa Fe. Now, he taught in a high school program, and I'm not besmirching the high school program, but I'm besmirching him. I mean, that's one of the dumbest things a professor should say publicly. This guy's a teacher. Wouldn't you think he'd be held to a higher? Wouldn't you think he'd hold himself to a higher standard? And you have to remember that generally politics dumbs a person down. And why? Because that person is trying to go down to the level of the person who wants to vote for him. And that person's, by definition, average IQ of that. Because democracy depends upon the overwhelming number of average people collectively herded in the same direction. Well, Cynthia Chestnut said she was disappointed. I'm very concerned, she says, about this court and how far back they're going to roll the clock. All of our rights are at stake. All the gains we've made in civil rights are at stake. Is she nuts? Is she nuts? Another non sequitur doesn't follow. There's no syllogism you could possibly write that would stand the scrutiny of common sense that would lead to that conclusion. Syllogism, major premise, minor premise, conclusion. There's none. And the major premise of a syllogism is always arrived at after induction. And you see a pattern and then you conclude and that becomes the deductive major premise of the syllogism. She's nuts. There's no. Why did she say something like that? Why did she work in civil rights? I'll tell you why. Because everything she does is filtered through the prism of race. Are you with me? 
everything is filtered through the prism of race. Come on. Can't you be objective? This doesn't stand any test of reason. Commissioner Anna Prezia, I guess the way you're, Prezia, I don't know. Call the decision shameful and an affront to our right to make our own health care decisions. Abortion's not about health care, except in some circumstances, and those circumstances are protected. This is a sweeping overgeneral, she's overgeneralized, another logical fallacy. She's oversimplified, a very complicated issue. And she utters it out of her mouth publicly for a comment for the sunset. It's appalling. Now, you think this is an exception to what these people think? No. This, as I say, is an MRI into their skull. You are looking at a poor education. That's all I can blame it on. They wouldn't, Anna Prezia would not have gotten saying things stupid like that, would not have gotten any higher than a C at best in Professor Warthog's critical thinking class. And Chestnut would have flunked. And Poe would have flunked. Priscilla, maybe a D. Actually, that's too high. And she says it's time to codify the right abortion, the right to abortion into the law. Well, it is. It's just going to be codified in the states. It's not going to be in the Constitution. Why don't these leaders, why don't these leaders act like leaders? Why don't these leaders act like statesmen? Why don't they elevate their comments? They're leaders. Why do they say these stupid things? Kat Kamek says it. the ruling was historic and protected all unborn children and says life wins. She's one of the, she is one, let's see, I've got eight who ran their mouths. We got two who didn't, they controlled what they said. I think Kamek here, um, for the most part, has been, she'd get a B on this at least. She has uh, not wandered off the premise that she started with. She goes back to the founding of the nation, which is found in the constitution and the documents, and we're going back to the document. She, that's a that's much better statement. Now comes now comes to one that I'm very troubled by. Okay, I'm very troubled by. And I'm gonna I'm gonna grade this guy just like I grade myself. Senator Keith Perry. Now I know Senator Keith Perry never went to college. But I'm willing to excuse that if he doesn't say something stupid. Don Pierce never went to college. Malcolm Braley never went to college. Eric Hoffer never went to college. Eric Hoffer is a longshoreman who wrote the great book, True Believer. 
There are two ways to be educated. Formally and in informally. Formally, you go to a formal structure. You go into a formal curriculum. You have a formal apparatus like credits and grades. And then on the other hand, you can be self-taught. You don't even have to go to that. Don Pierce learned to write from reading other great writers. And as Malcolm Bradley told my students way back when, when they asked him where he got his college education, he said they had a library in San Quentin. He read other people. He didn't go to college. He did 14 years in San Quentin. So I'm not besmirching Perry for not having college education, but I am going to ask you to think about what he said if he's quoted correctly. Here's his comment. Senator, State Senator Keith Perry, Republican Gainesville, said the Constitution doesn't protect abortion. That state should have the right to decide. Hey, I'm sailing along with that. I think, yeah, that's, that's, that's within the ruling. Uh, that's pretty close to the logic that uh, Alito and these people used. And then he says, furthermore, uh, uh, this is the actual quote, in the Constitution, it's pretty clear that abortion is not listed in there or talked about. Um, I don't like the pretty clear. You can't, it's, it's sort of like being, uh, you can't be partly pregnant. You, can, you know, it, it, it's, it's more than pretty clear. It's just clear. Now, the next statement by my good friend Keith Perry is there are two things that can happen. Either the state makes laws affecting abortion or any senator or Congress can make an amendment to the Constitution of the United States. Um, not alone. The senator couldn't make it alone. But here's the next sentence. And I just went, what? The next sentence in his quote, provided he's quoted properly, says, but. The Supreme Court has become way too powerful. I think it's up to the legislature, whether it's on the state or national level, to enact laws, not judges. What? What are you saying? In fact, this is just exactly the opposite. The Supreme Court said we don't have the power to federalize abortion. The state, the Supreme Court said exactly the opposite on what Perry is quoted as saying. We're giving it back to the states. They have the power. We don't have the power. And the second part of Perry's quote contradicts the first part of his quote. I give him a D. I'm sorry, I give him a D. I mean, he got part of it right. So do you get any credit for being partly right? Not in my, my book, you don't. You don't do that because then you're, you know, you don't want to get it partly right. Oh, I almost did the heart operation the right way, but I just did it partly right. You what? Well, yeah, we'll have to go back. Somebody else will have to go back and redo what I did and screwed up, but it'd be okay. No, no, it's not that way. But these politicians, they don't have any governor. I'm talking about a governor like on a car. 
They don't have any discipline. Where would they get the discipline? From education. From a first-rate teacher who would squash this nonsense in their brains before they even got started and got out of kindergarten. Yvonne Henson, Hayes Henson, or whatever her name is now, you know, you can't pay a dang bit of attention. I don't know if you measured her IQ, what you get. And she said it allows state to trample. It's going to allow states to trample other basic rights. I don't know. This is just some garbage she saw in the, in the, in the restroom or something. I don't even think she could be admitted to my class. I mean, if it... If they put her in there, I try to teach her, but I don't think she could get it. Got nothing against her. I mean, I you know her. I know her. I've talked to her quite a few times. I, you know, it's, it's a human being. You don't mean it. Come on. But I'm just saying in terms of the standards, the thinking standards and the writing standards, and the speaking standards that we're all trying to live up to, that I impose on myself. It's always disappointing when you see a lawyer have a numb skull. And by the way, I want to tell you something local. I'll tell you in a minute. I don't run out of time. But I'll tell you now. Bosshart has fired Donnelly, their lawyer. Okay? Donnelly, I took one second look at that guy and said, whoa, whoa, somebody paying him? Whoa, whoa. Somebody better ha ha have another look. I mean, I took one look at that guy and realized, hey, man, let's, let's debate it. Let's get it on because you ain't going to stand a chance. You won't stand a chance, brother. Now, so they're lousy lawyers, all right, all over the place. I mean, I taught them. Some of the students became lawyers. I mean, come on, you know, some are good. Some are, don't get me wrong. You got a good one, you hang on, man. You hang on. There's some damn good ones. But there are some that you can't write their way out of them. Uh, uh, you know, it's just incredible. And, and law is all about words. So uh, this guy, I don't know, Merritt McAllister, a professor of law at the University of Florida. Now, the moment you say professor of law at the University of Florida, you have to assume that he is a liberal and a Democrat because his last time I checked, there was only one Republican lawyer in the University of Florida staff. Maybe they put another one on. Maybe it's an adjunct. I know the gentleman's name. I've met with the gentleman, talked with him on some things. Uh, and that's just the way it is. OK. Don't ask me why. I mean, don't ask me why. I don't know why. Oh, I, I thought there was diversity and inclusion. Okay. So this guy calls in an originalist court. Eh, okay. You know, come up with that adjective. Uh, he says it's going to focus on the history and, and tradition. No, it's not focusing on history and tradition. Dummy, if it were doing that, it would not have ruled this way because it would have ruled in favor of precedent. I mean, I come on. Now, this guy, I'm, I'm playing a game here. He's in my class. 
Am I supposed to let him get by with this crap if he comes up with this as a student? No, I'm going to confront him. I'll say, wait a minute, Merritt McAllister. I can tear you apart in two seconds. You just said that this Supreme Court focused on history and tradition. If it did, it wouldn't have changed the ruling. It would have focused on history, which is the precedent, which it didn't focus on. It said the precedent was wrong. And this guy's a professor of law. And he said, this court is not all that sensitive to public opinion. It shouldn't be. It absolutely shouldn't be. The public is wrong about 75% of the time about everything. If you want to cut it back 60% of the time. The public is as shallow as the aquifer in Miami. Do you know the aquifer is much deeper here than it is in Miami? You know how right at the surface of the ground there. Here, 225 feet below. My well is 225 feet deep. I mean, it's just amazing. And of course, you have O. Emily Calvin's chapter, the Nation National Women's Liberation. Oh, that ain't you might as well just. I, some people would give her a C just for sitting in a room and breathing. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. Um, of course, you know, Kendra Vincent, organizer of the NWLK. Ms. Oh, Devitt, just devastated, just devastated. You should have been devastated when you got rooked on your education. That's what you should have been devastated on. So they're smearing. I call it the smear job today because they're smearing with poorly thought out statements, right, loaded with emotional baggage, the people who can think. Isn't that amazing? And you wonder why there's great inflation. There's, not, there's nobody in this community has got, I'm not gonna call it courage, but has the training to do every day what I do with you. There's nobody else. Go to the radio stations. Go to the newspapers. You'll find another me. I'd like to find another me. I'd like a guy to sit in here once in a while. See if you can find another me. Well, the same thing holds true in education. How many great teachers do you find? You find a lot of guys. Who, I've been over that with you. I'm not going over it again. Now we got Felton Woods, minister of the Gainesville Church of Christ. And I like this comment. He says he understands both sides of the matter, but sides with the authority of God's words. And he, uh, and I, so anyway, I counted him. So here's what I counted up with. Eight people would have failed my class. Two would have at least passed with a C. And one, our senator, would have gotten a D. He had one half of it right, but he had one half of it wrong. Oh, boy. I swear to God. Work is, the work is never done. My work is never done. 
Huh? The other thing I want to tell you locally, I'm just going to not even get out of my local world today, is that Kim Bossart and Autumn Doughton, Autumn Doughton is the granddaughter of Jim Doughton, who was the publisher of the Gainesville Sun. They have both been added to the defamation lawsuit uh, filed by Grotros and Riles against Bossart. I tell you, it's, it's just beginning. It is just beginning. And, buddy, uh, it is really something else again. I also got to tell you, on the time I got left, it's very, we got, we're not even sure. And this is, I got to hand this to Mark. Let me find it here for you. Um, we're not even sure that um, Corrine Brown qualifies as a House candidate. And uh, Mark found this. Any person seeking to qualify for nomination as a candidate of any political party shall, at the time of subscribing to the oath or affirmation, state in writing the party of which the person is a member, number one, and number two, that the person has been a registered member of the political party for which he or she is seeking nomination as a candidate for 365 days before the beginning of qualifying preceding the general election for which the person seeks to qualify. And when you look at the date of registration, it is 11-1-2020. Uh, okay? That doesn't add up to 365 days. Hey, hey, I don't know where it's going to go, but we've sent that along to the uh, proper authorities. And, you know, a uh, little battle going on between uh, Barton and uh, Kramer, in case you want to update on that. Kramer basically just told Barton to stick it. He wasn't going to investigate any of these things that he's supposed to investigate. She can ship it off to somebody else, uh, FDLE or off to uh, the sheriff. He's not going to do it. We got the email conversations to document that. Well, well, well. Doug Jones says that's, that's not qualifying. We'll see, Doug. Have a great day. Thank you, Evan, for helping my own production as usual. And uh, we'll be back with hopefully we'll get you some information each day that helps you be a better a student and therefore eventually a better citizen. Warthog Command Center out.